A reading from the Gospel according to John. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It wasn't uncommon in years past for there to be a a little brass plaque on the pulpit that the preacher saw when he or she stood to preach. It's not as common as it used to be. Jim Tarrant told me after the early service that he thought his was the only church that had one of those and that he had considered putting one up here and not telling anybody. So if one ever appears, you'll know who put it up here. <laughs> but on the plaque were the words from John 12:21, Sir, we would see Jesus. A reminder to those who stand to preach That people come to Christian worship not to hear a book review of the bestseller or a review of the the movie that's currently number one in the box office, although you do need to go see Hidden Figures if you haven't. Not even a meditation or a self-reflection, but rather we gather to encounter the living God, God with us in Jesus Christ. That is the purpose, that is the goal, together as the people of God, is to encounter the presence of the living God. The ministry of Jesus Christ is about sharing Christ, yes, from the pulpit, yes, with our lips, but perhaps more importantly, with our lives. For the most effective sermons are preached during the week, far away from this sanctuary, by those who are not professional preachers. This morning we look at one of the earliest witnesses, or evangelist. You know what evangelist means, don't you? Bearer of good news. One of the first evangelists, if you will. This person seems to have been an ordinary kind of fellow, one of the original 12 disciples. His name appears only a few times in Scripture, in fact 12, and most of those are simply lists 
of the disciples. Very little else from him except this scripture for this morning. Never in the headlines, but he made a difference in human history. Scripture's full of people like that, people who never make the headlines, never in the spotlight, never gain the attention of the world, yet they play a crucial role in God's great plan and purpose. One of those persons is Andrew, mentioned in our gospel reading. A behind-the-scenes person, his claim to fame was the fact that he was a brother of Simon Peter. Now, for those of you who are paying attention, the anthem that the choir sang today was arranged by Hal Hobson. Hal is a prolific author of a lot of sacred music. In fact, he has over a thousand pieces of of sacred music in print. He was one of the few people who, in 1976, a piece of his music was put into the time capsule for the bicentennial in 1976 to be opened a hundred years from then. When I served the church in Dallas the last year or so, his brother Rex would come to Royal Lane. And I don't know how many times people introduced me. This is Rex Hobson. He's Hal Hobson's brother. I imagine he got very weary of not being anybody but Hal Hobson's brother. When I was in college for a few months, I dated the sister of a former Miss America. Don't even remember her name now. But I did ask her, do you ever get weary of being introduced as Miss America's sister? She said, oh yeah. It gets very wearisome. It's not very glamorous, is it, to be somebody's something other, to be identified only as that, except for one little thing about our text for this morning. What would have happened to Simon Peter had Andrew not introduced him to Jesus? If Andrew hadn't done that, then the whole history of the church would have been radically different. Simon Peter was that standout in front, headline kind of guy. Andrew, by comparison, lived in the shadow of his brother. According to our scripture, when Andrew met Jesus and was convinced that he was Messiah, he immediately goes to get his brother Simon and brings him to the Lord. That simple act of introducing Simon to Jesus was the beginning of one of the most strategic relationships that Jesus had on earth. What would have happened to the church after the crucifixion and resurrection had Simon Peter not been there? Oh, he made his share of mistakes, didn't he? But who preached at Pentecost? Simon Peter. Who first said, You know, the gospel was not just for the Jews, but it's for everybody, everybody. The whole point in this is that every single one of us has a role to play in God's great drama. We may not have the leading role, the starring role. We may be down there in the credits where it says grip 
and best boy and gaffer, you know, at the very end that only four people stay to see all the credits. That may be where our name ends up, but it's an incredibly important role in God's purpose and mission in the world. It might not gain a whole lot of attention, but without it, the whole drama of God at work in the world looks much different. For every Simon Peter out there, there are many Andrews in the background who take seriously the words, Sir, we would see Jesus. And they set about taking their friends, introducing their friends, their co-workers, their brothers, their sisters, introducing them to Jesus. And were it not for the Andrews of the world, there would be no Simon Peters. November the 9th. 1989 will be remembered as one of the great days in the history of the 20th century and perhaps in the history of humankind. That day, the Berlin Wall came down. And soon after, a number of Eastern Bloc countries began to experience freedom countries behind what we used to call the Iron Curtain. Remember that? How did it happen? What were some of the roots of all of that? Well, behind the collapse of the Berlin Wall, one is drawn to the country of Poland, to the courageous stand that those citizens took in the face of the oppressive Soviet system. Where did that originate? You may remember there was an industrial worker, a seemingly insignificant man by the name of Lech Walesa. He rose to international fame in August of 1980 as the leader of the independent trade union Solidarity in Poland, which played a decisive role in bringing down communism not only in Poland but throughout Central and Eastern Europe. But let's take it a step further. Where did Walesa get the inspiration that encouraged him to do what he did? If you know anything about his life, you will know that his inspiration came from the life and work of an Alabama preacher by the name of Martin Luther King, Jr., who dared to stand up, pay the price, even give his own life for the civil rights of all God's human creatures in these United States. It was from Martin Luther King, Jr., whose birthday we observe tomorrow, that Walesa learned much about nonviolence as a way of confronting coercive, destructive, dehumanizing power. But the story doesn't end there. What served as the impetus for Martin Luther King, Jr., that in turn inspired Lech Walesa, that in turn served to inspire other Eastern Bloc nations and the Berlin Wall to come down. What had a role in that? Well, just an insignificant little black lady who was a seamstress in Montgomery, Alabama. 
a woman who at the end of a long, long day on December 1st, 1955, was tired to the bone. She was tired physically. She was tired of being pushed around. She was tired of being objectified. She was weary in every way that you can be weary. And when the bus driver said, you've got to get up out of that seat and go to the rear of the bus where you belong, she said no. It was the courage of Rosalie Parks that inspired Martin Luther King Jr. and Lekwalesa and in turn other Eastern Bloc nations which ultimately led to the falling of the Berlin Wall. But just like the infomercial on TV, wait, wait, there's more folks. Who inspired Rosalie Parks to refuse to go to the back of the bus and sit? The answer is found in a little white frame church on a dusty road back in rural Alabama. In the early 20th century, an African-American Sunday school teacher in her late 70s told the little girls in her class, including Rosa Lee McCulley Parks, that they were God's Children created according to Psalm 9, a little lower than the angels and crowned with honor and glory. She taught them that they counted and that they should never let anyone take away from them their basic dignity as a human being. Now isn't that absolutely incredible? To think that the collapse of the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain at least find some of its roots back in a Sunday school class in rural Alabama in the early part of the 20th century because one little Sunday school teacher did her work. Isn't it amazing what God can and does do? This God continues to work in and through history. Yes, through Sunday school teachers who never live long enough to know the difference that they've made. God uses the Andrews of the world to set the world on its head. For who would have thought that a little Sunday school teacher on the back roads of Alabama would, in, would have influence that changed the world? Why can't we understand this? Why can't we see this around us? I think it's because we confuse significance and size. Just because we can't do everything or at least the big things in our estimation, we begin thinking we can do nothing. But little things done faithfully are significant. Remember Andrew and an elderly Sunday school teacher in the back roads of Alabama. God calls you to faithfulness. Consider Andrew brought his brother. Look at his Sunday school teacher in Alabama. You're not called to be brilliant, beautiful, famous, wealthy. But you are called to be faithful. 
by the grace of God, you're called to be faithful. Pray with me. Oh God, forgive our faithlessness. Forgive us confusing significance and size. Forgive us for thinking if we can't do everything that we can do nothing that's important in your kingdom. God, help us to be found faithful so that you can say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. It is through Christ we pray. Amen.